We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Baxter Holmes will be with us in 15 minutes, and he will not talk about quarterbacks. Because if he does, I will hunt him down and beat him. I'll find a way. No, you won't. (laughs) No, it's, you know, Justin Fields is going to be where he's at. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the Bears will get a far bigger return trading down because they need help everywhere. I mean, you don't get to be three and fourteen if you're if you're set mm-hmm. anywhere. So that yeah, you know, that that's most likely what's gonna happen there. And then you know that, you know, Young will go one, Stroud will go two, Richardson, they're calling, you know, the five, you know, Levis, you know, Low, high double di- high single digits, low double digits. Mm-hmm. Then after that, who knows? But they also know that two years ago when everybody was raving about the quarterback class because it was so deep, turns out that it was a mile wide and an inch deep because nobody's hit the ground and, and excelled yet. You're starting to see Trevor Lawrence, but Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the most yeah, for he sure was, thing. Yeah, he was, well, he was the can't miss guy. Mm-hmm. But everything after that, meh. Yeah. So, you know, it's... I, I All I'm saying is, Jimmy Garoppolo, A, shouldn't be out of the question. And if he's available, when if they have to make a hard decision on it, too, because Purdy can't go, he makes more sense than anybody else. If Purdy can't go, then yeah. I, I don't even know if anybody would... Would go back on that though? Would argue that? Oh, I think there are tons of you know psychotics out in the street who would argue that. If Purdy because they wanted, they wanted no, they wanted Garoppolo hung from a lamppost yeah. when he was starting. I mean, there is a level of hatred for him that defies all logic, and it's always going to defy logic because those people are pot committed. But couldn't I say that there's also? a level of love for Jimmy Garoppolo that defies logic. There are a lot yeah, there, of Jimmy Garoppolo. There are, I don't know how what the proportion is, but they'll love him a hell of a lot more once he's gone mm-hmm. because they hated Alex Smith until he went to another team. Then they got nostalgic for him. Right. That's how this works. It's when you're the starting quarterback here and you don't have... A Super Bowl ring to hang on your on your bedpost at night. You're 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 unsatisfying. You're you're a, you're a disgrace to the franchise. When you leave, they'll go. You know what? He wasn't bad. Yeah. It's it's a psychotic kind of view, but it it just it throbs out there. 
is teams. It just, you know, we don't like you when you're here, but once you're gone, man, you're golden. Yeah, it's a good point. Looking, looking again though. At some of these, oh god! I'm just no. I'm just. You're gonna go blind. No, I'm not. I'm not. I guess. Would you ever? Would you ever subscribe to maybe if everything is about offense, right? And now we're we're hearing more than I've heard in the past about these cold weather situations. Would there ever be a thought? I don't know. Thirty, forty, fifty years from now, where every stadium has a dome option. A dome option. Um, probably. But it was all about offense. But the beauty of that is in 30, 40, or 50 years, I'll be dead. <laughs> and I don't think there's anybody on your beloved text line mm-hmm. who would think that's a bad idea. Let me check. I'll come back. No, don't don't bother to check. It'll, it'll make you blind. All You'll right. get cataracts just reading <laughs> that nonsense. No, but it's... The fact is that football is going to become in 30 years it's going to be simply a studio sport you won't even need fans at that point they'll they'll just it'll all be television you know you just you know, just just have pixelated audiences what in 30 40 or 50 already, years we already saw that from we already saw that during the pandemic yeah but they hadn't perfected what they want to perfect which is to gouge so many people for watching it on television, they will eventually want to make that a, that's the only option you have. That way they don't have to hire ushers mm-hmm. or you know, concessionaires or security. In fact, you don't even have to build a stadium. You can just do giant studios. I mean, if we're gonna, if we're gonna play what's, what it's gonna be like in 30 or 40 years. Sure. That's certain. That, well, that wouldn't surprise me a bit. There are still going to be people going to games. You speak with such certitude. There yet, will be. Now, if you said 2,000 years, maybe. In 2,000 years, the meteor's going to hit, and we won't have to have this argument anymore. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll just have it on a different planet or something. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's uh, who knows what's going to happen in 30 or 40 years. But for right now, you know, you... You know, the whole cold weather thing anyway is just a dodge. Mm-hmm. You know, do you does anybody honestly think that the Raiders teams that Derek Carr played on could have functioned in warm weather but not cold weather? No, they couldn't function anywhere. Right. I mean that that, that the whole Derek Carr can't win when it's under forty degrees. He's not the only guy on that team. You know, why isn't anybody saying, Well, Max Crosby can't win in under forty degrees? I mean, it's, just, it's just nonsense. Well, that's that, why they get paid the big bucks, though. It's not why they get paid the big bucks. It's because there are so few of them. And Derek Carr was going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. In fact, got the, got a $40 million contract from a team that basically threw him through a window after 15 games. He said, we can't even look at you anymore. After making the playoffs the year prior. Yeah. It's just because the one thing you cannot guarantee with all the talk about quarterbacks and guys getting hurt and yada, yada, yada. You can't guarantee the rationality of an owner scorned. And the reason why Derek Carr got benched and Vic Tafer wrote about this in The Athletic is that Mark Davis couldn't stand to look at him anymore. He realized he gave him too much money 
gave him a no-trade clause in the contract. He felt like he got fleeced and he wasn't getting wins out of him. And so he just turned on him and finally said, no more. I don't care if it's Jacoby Brissett. Just not him anymore. Sometimes that's what you need, though. I, I don't what's think your, it's right. But, but what's the alternative that they have? I don't think it matters. And no, it does it matter. It does matter. Because if you're saying that, quote, the most important player on your team mm-hmm. is that disposable, you're telling everybody else in that locker room, you're far more far more disposable than even he is because you're not making $40 million. But, Ray, you talk about being scorned, Right. We know that there are plenty of relationships out there where somebody has scorned the other person and you've tried to go to uh, marriage counseling. You've tried to bring the spark back. You've tried different things, but all you can remember is when whatever wrongdoing that you feel they did to you and you can't get it out of your mind. But whether it's whether it makes sense or not, because nobody told Davis to pay him that money. No, Davis wanted to pay him that money. Right. But the fact is, being a quarterback is different than being a spouse in that you can live alone if you want, but if you're running a football team, you can't not have a quarterback. Who's your quarterback right now? They're kicking tires on some... on some. They're, yeah, you know what they got? Tires. <laughs> they got a lot That's of tires. That's what they got. They got a lot of tires, and they got a lot of options. Gret Ray, big weekend for the Raiders at the Combine. Oh. <sighs> It is. I I want your phone number. I'm going to call your wife. I'm going to break up this marriage for her good. I'm just saying. She should confiscate now, she should confiscate your remote. I think that Derek Carr represented at this point in time, whether fair or not, and I gotta be careful here because his brothers might be listening. They're all over. They're all over all areas of the media. He represented the hopelessness of the franchise. Whether fair or not, actually unfair. Uh, let me, yeah, you hit, yeah, he unfairly get t- got targeted for that. When in fact, Josh McDaniels represents that. Mark Davis represents that. Yes. Their the owner. Their history, you know, going back to their last Super Bowl appearance, absolutely represents that. To dump any more than about 5% on Derek Carr is outrageous. Not because he's a great quarterback, but because nobody could win there. Tom Brady couldn't win there. Patrick Mahomes couldn't win there. Now put Derek Carr on the Niners. These last couple years. Um, can you can can Derek Carr keep the Chiefs from scoring three touchdowns in the fourth quarter? No. No. Can he? Can he avoid dropping an interception in the end zone against the Rams? No. And this past year, he'd be the guy being carted off the field. Oh, without a doubt. Because he cannot. Because because the the Philadelphia Eagles defense was going to terrorize whoever was back there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and in, in many cases, yeah, quarterback makes a huge difference. In the case of the 49ers, doesn't really. And you'd be paying him $40 million to ride that cart. But you say that... With complete confidence. When you watched Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, what, did you see a difference? Did I, not, not a huge one. And you know what? 
we will continue this later because we have to go to a break. Otherwise, Grandy will have an aneurysm. <laughs> Which, while amusing in its own way, you don't get to see on YouTube. So, we'll just, we'll do this instead. Thanks, Ray. We are sponsored, you're welcome, Mark. <laughs> we are sponsored by In at the Tides. Book your getaway to Bodega Bay at the iconic Inn of the Tides. Their midweek winter special offers the lowest rates of the year, starting at just $1.99 a night. Enjoy stunning views, refreshed rooms, and free breakfast. Man, I could use one of those right now. Book now into the in of the book now at try to speak this in English now. Book now at inatthetides.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. If you're driving, don't do this yourself, but hand the phone to your pal and make sure that he will subscribe to Damon and Ratto on the Odyssey app or wherever you happen to find your favorite podcast. That way you don't have to pull over and stop the car. And if you haven't already, then absolutely stop the car and get that done. Um, we are back. Ratto, Alan Styles. We've been beating the quarterback debate to death, so we need somebody else who will revivify it for us. Kalen Kaler, NFL expert, following the league for well nigh on years, and uh, broke story last week about the level of dysfunction in um, in the Russell in the Russell uh, Wilson Seattle Seahawks and. You know, since then, I think you've been covering the competition committee and the lunacy they're operating in. First of all, Kalen, welcome to the show again. Ray, hi, how are you? Um, I'm weeping bitter tears. <laughs> um, Glad to hear it. Yeah, what what do you want to start with? The competition committee, the Russell Wilson stuff? I mean, you um, caught some flack last week about it, but has that died down as people have sort of acknowledged that Russell Wilson is a different kind of character than he's portrayed himself to be? Yeah, well, I think today um, Pete Carroll and John Schneider were both asked about our report 
um, from, you know, Seattle media. And neither one of them, they both had slightly different responses, but neither one of them um, denied it. You know, they kind of were like, I think John said, it's water under the bridge or something. And Pete was like, I'm going to stand by my players, like the players that he currently has. So neither one of them denied our report that uh, Russell last year, last February, had went to Seattle ownership and requested that Pete and John both be fired. So I thought that was pretty telling because Obviously, the Seahawks um, did not comment for our story, so, you know, I didn't know what they would say on the record if they were asked about it. So that, I thought, was very interesting. Um, And I do think, you're right, like, when it originally came out, we did get, you know, people saying, oh, another, like, hit piece on Russell Wilson. But we were actually extremely fair to Russell in the story, um, and we specifically stayed away from all of the narratives surrounding him that we're all very familiar with that his you know, Seattle, former Seattle teammates have put out there. We were like, we made a conscious choice to like not get into that because we wanted to understand the football side of what went wrong. Like why was Russell as a football player struggling this year? Why were the Broncos as a whole so bad on offense? And so that's really what we started. That was kind of our frame for reporting this. We didn't even wade into, you know, the typical Russell, um, dialogue about whether he's a phony or a fraud or, you know, his strange personality. Um, in terms of the report and its aftermath, how much do you think it will affect what his, not his relationship with Sean Payton, the new coach in Denver, will be, but how much Payton will shorten his leash to try to get a, a, a semblance of the form he used to have in Seattle? Yeah, I think he's going to shorten it a lot um, because in his first public appearance as Denver's head coach, he, you know, was asked about Russell's team and he was like, I'm not familiar with that, like a player having a personal staff in the building. And he said, that won't be happening here under my watch. So he already, like from the very first things he ever said as the Broncos head coach, he made it clear that there will be some boundaries for Russell. And I think that's going to be really good because that was the issue with what happened this year. Like, yes, Russell has declined in some ways um, physically, but I, I don't think he's, like, beyond repair as a quarterback. I think what happened was, and what we learned from our reporting, is that Nathaniel Hackett is a first-time head coach, and because he was slightly scarred from, you know, transitioning Aaron Rodgers to a new offense in Green Bay, he, he made a conscious choice to include Russell and empower Russell um, in the Denver Broncos offense. And when he did that, he just gave him too much control. And Russell was bringing um, Hackett, he was bringing Hackett a list of plays to sign off on, um, to include in the offense. He was changing the cadence all the time to the point where the offensive line had no idea what was going on because they weren't able to practice it enough. And, you know, he had his personal staff in the building, which didn't seem like it was going to be a problem until, you know, we reported that the last two weeks of the season, his personal staff, um, the, the Broncos met, Broncos leadership met with Russell to see what they could change. And they agreed that, you know, for the last weeks of the season, he was not going to use his second floor office in the facility and his team would no longer be in the building. So it clearly became something that created a disconnect between him and his teammates based on the fact that Broncos leadership um, met with Russell and brought this up and they all agreed, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore for the last two weeks of the season. And it seems like they're not going to do it anymore going into next year. 
Kalen, you wrote a piece about the pushing of the quarterback and how the NFL is looking to maybe get rid of that. I don't know if Ray coined this term or if I'm late on it, the tush push. But can you give us your argument, I guess, for it to keep it and the argument to get rid of it? Because I'm a bit torn. Yeah. I mean, I'm shocked that it's even on the agenda. I I think I'm biased because I'm like so obsessed with the play that I can't see why it's a problem. I mean... The argument, I'll start with the argument against it. The argument against it is like a forward-looking argument that at some point this could lead to injuries, not just on offense, but on defense. When defenses are trying to stop this play, you'll you'll see a lot of times, and this is not even like a push sneak. This, it's not unique to the push sneak, but all sneaks in general, any variation of a quarterback sneak, you'll see the defense leaping over the offensive line. And they'll send, like, one player doing that. And obviously, you know, that puts that player at an injury risk. It also puts the quarterback at a risk of getting, like, speared in the head. Um, So, yes, sure, there is, like, some element of injury risk to this. But I don't know that there's more of an injury risk to the push sneak than there is a regular sneak. Although, there is a situation where there used to be, like, some pushing going on on field goal plays. And they got rid of that because they thought it would lead to injury with the pushing um, between the offensive and defensive line. So there could be an argument for that. But as of right now, there is no injury evidence because none of the Eagles got hurt on this play. Um, And other teams who ran it, as far as I know, it was like the Bills, the Ravens, and the Bengals, I think, who also ran similar plays like this. And I don't think anybody got hurt on those either. So it's kind of like tracking it forward to see if there is an injury risk, which right now, there's not enough evidence to say that there is. And the other argument against it, which I think is the funniest argument, and the one that I've heard like the most loudly, is that it's ugly because it looks like rugby. And I don't understand what the problem with that is because the last time I checked, uh, football is a product of rugby. So, um, you know, I don't know why it's a bad thing that football would resemble rugby. Obviously, if you're running this play 40 times in a row and that's your entire offense, Sure, I don't know that any of us would really want to watch that. That's You'd not be the 49ers. Anymore. Right, yeah, right. It's not exciting anymore. It's not a good offensive product. And obviously the owners, they care about what everything looks like. You know, we that's obvious because of taunting penalties, because of the uniform description on, like, how tall your socks have to be. You know, we know that the owners care about optics. So I think the main reason that this has been put on the docket is because it looks bad. Which is which is really funny to me. Uh, of all the the um, recommendations that people have made to alter the rules this year, how many of them have a chance of being enacted? I mean, the one that I think caught the most eyes was the um, making roughing the passer reviewable. Uh, yeah. Does that have a chance of getting changed? Does anything have a chance of getting changed? Um, I think. I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a tricky one. The roughing the passer reviewable because we all know what happened when they made um, pass interference reviewable. What was that three years ago? It was like an absolute disaster. So, I think that roughing the passer reviewable would also ultimately lead to an absolute disaster where you know you're not consistent with your rulings and slowing it down actually makes it harder to officiate. Um, so, you know. I, I don't know if that's going to have enough momentum. I don't have a good feel for that one right now, but I do think the experience of the past interference debacle may, um, you know, 
reflect what we're going to see. That so I think people might be inclined to vote against that because of how badly it went when they tried doing that for the one year experiment with pass interference. Um, I know they're talking about the QB three active thing again. Um, you know, adding being able to dress a third quarterback and having it not count toward your roster total. I feel like that might have a good chance just because of how visible and terrible those situations were this season, you know, especially the 49ers, obviously, when, um, you know, that second quarterback gets hurt and there's nobody, you know, nobody left. Um, so, yeah, I think that one might have a shot. Um, and then, I mean, there's so many things that they're looking at. I mean, I think there were a bunch of different health and safety topics that they went over um, yesterday as well. Um you mentioned the third quarterback thing and how it's got a chance of passing in part because the 49ers basically threw quarterbacks into a meat grinder all year long. Um, I wanted to talk more about the third quarterback market out there and the veteran free agent market. Is there anybody that frankly excites anybody as a potential starter uh, because the list looks pretty threadbare, and I think yeah. maybe the only one, and we didn't even talk about this guy, um, Mike White with the Jets. Uh, is there anybody that you could say, boy, that'd be that'd be a nice pickup because he could potentially be a useful starter? Um, it's interesting. I mean, is Drew Locke a free agent? Uh, he's not yes. listed on. Um, he's not over okay. the cap. At least I don't see him. Oh, yes, he, there he is, way down way down low. Okay, he is. Okay, so he's someone that, like, you know, is definitely not a surefire starter by any means, but, like, he's young enough that I think people still might think there's some potential that's yet to be unlocked there. And Seattle has Geno now. Like, they know, okay, we're going to roll with Geno. So Drew Locke is kind of interesting to me as somebody that, Maybe someone would go for, I mean, again, I don't think he would come into a situation and be the starter, but would have a chance to compete for a job because I, I don't think he's been, like, written off yet. So that's, like, the one sort of weird name that I would throw out there. Um, other than that, you're right. This quarterback class of free agents and, you know, starters who are available is not great. And also there's not that many in the draft. So well, there is going to be like a musical chair situation that goes on this offseason with quarterbacks, and it'll be interesting to see when it's all said and done, uh, you know, where everything stands, because somebody is going to get left with a very bad situation. Kaylin, I saw on your social media that you are currently uh, on location for the Combine, and Ray keeps yeah. giving me a hard time about the Combine, but I love it, and I want to know... If you give us a lay of the land out there, is there buzz around any players besides the obvious ones? What's what's it like out there? Yeah, so as far as buzz around players, I am like so tunnel vision on random things that I'm working on that I honestly could not give you like a list of top prospects because all of my conversations are just extremely like not related to the actual draft. Um, but as far as the combine goes, I mean, it's a really crazy event. Like, I was chasing somebody from the competition committee down two different hallways yesterday, and unfortunately, I was not wearing sneakers. I was wearing, like, three-inch um, platform mules. They're very cute shoes, but not practical for chasing down sources. 
So this is like the type of event where you see someone that you want to talk to and you just have to go after them because you don't know if you're going to run into them again. So it's really fun. It's really interesting. And actually I had a nice conversation with um, like George Payton uh, just like an hour ago because he didn't talk to us for the Broncos story that we did, but I just went up and, you know, introduced myself and we talked a little bit about that and he was a very nice man. Um, so that was, you know, that was an interesting interaction. So things like that are always happening. Like you're just walking around and you have no idea, you know, who you're going to run into and you've got to remember right away, like, why do I need this person? Like, what am I working on that I want to ask them about? It's very stressful. Um, you get really sweaty, but it's very fun. I have one last question and then we'll let you go. Can you explain the motivation for the Philadelphia Eagles to introduce a proposal yeah. to legalize the number zero as a jersey number? What's, uh, the, what's, the, what's the reason for that? Because I don't know of any fan who has said, you know what the NFL really needs? More guys wearing zero. So the way it was explained to me um, is that Two years ago, obviously, they expanded the positions that could wear one through single-digit numbers, so one through 19. I guess that's a few double-digit numbers as well. But they opened it up to pretty much any position other than offensive and defensive linemen. So when that happened, you saw a bunch of players. I don't know exactly how many players um, decided to switch to the single-digit numbers, but there was a significant amount, and with the Eagles in particular, um, they've got Devontae Smith in number six. They've got Hassan Reddick at number seven. They have two retired numbers in that group. And, um, you know, when that happened, when you have 90 players in camp, you don't have enough numbers. You're allowed to sort of duplicate numbers at that point. But you've got, you're going to wind up with like practice squad guys duplicating with um, guys on the regular roster. And then when the regular season comes, you have to activate them. You've got to switch the jersey numbers around. It becomes like a whole situation so um the way it was explained to me is that the eagles proposed this as a way to have like one more single digit number so that it's a little bit less crowded in there because for some reason the single digit numbers are like very um, popular and cool and i would need to ask some players about why that is but um i think it's fair to say that a lot it, there's a lot of demand from different position groups for those numbers so by adding a zero you have like one more <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Not your explanation, but just the rationale. But right. anyway, uh, the information was very good otherwise. Um, Kaylin Kaler, thanks for joining us. Um, and we'll talk to you soon when something goofy happens at the Combine, like the place gets set on fire. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. All right. Thanks again, Kaylin. Take care. Bye. Bye. See, she, she can't even be bothered to pay attention to it. I know. I think you paid her. I think you paid her. I, I'd have stay paid away her. from the combine. My combine question. I'd have paid her for a more frivolous answer to the matter <laughs> of what the, the zero jersey number means to players. Yeah. But, no, I. You know, she is really good at at digging out stuff, like like the Wilson stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, she had to get help from any number of players to get those stories verified, and she was one of three people who worked on it. So it was a pretty exhaustive view of the Russell Wilson, th yeah. Russell Wilson thing in general because his situation is fascinating to me because he was once considered an elite quarterback not very long ago mm -hmm. but his fall from grace has been relatively precipitous 
And this last year, he was genuinely awful. Right. On an awful team, in fairness. He, he was not the reason why the Broncos were not good. But he did nothing to arrest that deterioration. So well, because this is an enormous getting... this is an enormous year for him. Yeah. Trying to impress Sean Payton at a time when you have to wonder how much he's got left in the tank. Who knows what happened with Russell Wilson? I think everybody who even if you're admitting it or not, I do think that most people don't believe that he's done just based on one really bad year. But if it happens again next year, then anybody who still thinks, all right, maybe it was just a, an off year. You get rid of Hackett. You do a couple of different things. Maybe you'll be all right. But then if that's the case, then I don't know if what you do. If he is done, what do you do if you're the Broncos who you're kind of connected to this guy? You're going to have to pay him something in order to get rid of him. Sean Payton, not too long ago. I think the really the, the funniest thing about this whole situation that Sean Payton, not too long ago, was, you know, doing his rounds, doing his media thing. And he goes out and he says he wants to go back to he thinks teams should go back to just what the prototype is for the top. He said a, a top 10 pick or maybe a top 15 pick prototype. Don't take any QB under six foot. Don't take anybody that's undersized. And that was about a month, maybe a month before, maybe less than that, before he accepted the gig to take Russell Russell Wilson and the Broncos, which I did find fascinating because you've already admitted, I guess you're not drafting him, so it's a bit different. And the one, the quarterback who put Sean Payton in this position, obviously they worked hand in hand, was a guy in Drew Brees who was also undersized. Yeah, and well, the, the I mean, the big problem with Russell Wilson for the Broncos and for whatever Sean Payton wants to do is he's still guaranteed another $124 million his average per year salary per year is forty nine million, mm-hmm. and he's not a free agent until twenty twenty nine. It's a long so time. It's a it's a it's an enormous investment for a guy that you might be tempted to chuck after a year, because I don't know how you move that contract if he deteriorates to the point where Sean Payton wouldn't even want him in the building. Twenty twenty nine, and he's thirty four now. Yeah, it was a daft contract. There's no question about it. And even if he had been good this year. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really project him based on the number of hits, sacks, and pressures he's faced in his time, both in Seattle and then last year in Denver, to play till he's 40. No. One of the things about Brady, mm -hmm. you know, for good or ill, is he was kept upright in New England for most of those years. He did not take a lot of frightful hits. He did not take a ton of chances. And between all those things and the fact that he was Brady... Right. You know, he could play that long, but that's an incredible outlier. Yeah, the Bronco thing, The even if Russell Wilson had played well, we don't even know if that's good enough to beat the Chiefs. So I think that's the weird thing for me for what the Broncos decided to do. You decided to give him all this money, and he's not even in the same stratosphere as Patrick Mahomes, which nobody really is. A couple guys get close. We know Joe Burrow, uh, Josh Allen, those guys get close. But to sign up for this with Russell Wilson for these years in the same division as Patrick Mahomes, that is what is bizarre to me. The only way that it makes any sense at all, at least in my mind, Mm -hmm. is that they thought that his relationship in Seattle had deteriorated so much that he'd be 
delighted to be free. Mm -hmm. And then they proceeded to give him more money than he could eat. Gave him a rookie coach who, frankly, was already shell-shocked by the experience of trying to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. Right. So he basically let him have the run of the building. And all that is okay, except that he's on a bad team where he can't save it. So he's going to look bad by comparison. And now, immediately, other players start losing confidence in him. They lose confidence in the coach. And you've got a flaming disaster. And that's that's what's going to mark him, is that he went to a new place, got given the room, and just vomited all over it. And again, he's not the reason why the Broncos were hideous. But he was an example of it. But even if... I don't even know if peak Russell Wilson, I guess my point is, does peak Russell Wilson even move the needle in the AFC West with Patrick Mahomes just waiting there? Well, they knew that whatever else they had wasn't going to do it. Yeah. And I think they- But you didn't have to pay him this. Well, you, you had to pay him something to get him, you know, to get him from other teams that would want him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jets would have paid that in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, so, you know- the market basically determines what you're going to get paid if you're that kind of guy or that kind of resume. But the baggage that he brought with him, you know, between the beatings he took in the pocket in Seattle, um, you know, him having the building. Um, and an office. And, well, I mean, the whole building, basically, he, you know, he had whiteboards on, you know, on all the walls. He was like the de facto general manager. And it all turned out brutally. But we're going to take a break because Grandy's waving at me and either we need to take a break or he's got to go to the bathroom. And if he does have to go to the bathroom, I don't want to know about it. So I'll just tell you that we are presented by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. The Warriors are back in action tonight against Portland, and that means Warriors Live starts at 6 o'clock on 95.7 The Game, presented by Xfinity. Supercharger home and supersonic Wi-Fi. Unbeatable interest. Uh, what am I reading here? Supercharger home with supersonic Wi-Fi. Unbeatable internet. God, I'm an idiot. Only from Xfinity. And I say that because I am indeed an idiot. Um, Again, uh, Portland tonight in a game that is more important than you would think because any game that involves anybody from positions 4 to 13 in the Western Conference matters. Mm -hmm. And we'll have Dax Baxter Holmes from ESPN to talk about Portland uh, at 5 o'clock. And uh, he did a long piece with... um, with and about Damian Lillard that um, got published yesterday, um, like a couple of days after Lillard's seventy-one, but it, it's I think it's been in you know, been in the can for a while. So they decided to spring it right then because how many times is Damian Lillard going to score more than sixty points? Other than the two times he's already done it this year. So as a writer, is that a thing for different types of pieces that you have? Everyone. Everyone hears, oh, I have to finish this piece by this time. I got to meet this deadline. But are there also pieces that you write and you think, I'm going to 
pick and choose where I drop this to hopefully, you know, generate but it's a lot. Not, of- it's not your call when it drops. Okay. It's, it's the editor's call. Mm-hmm. And he's probably been assigned to the Lillard story for a while. Right. Um, and, you know, they might have run it on a, on a slow day in the NBA, uh, of which tonight is not one of those. Mm-hmm. And certainly Sunday was not one of those. But when Lillard drops 71, they go, you know what? We got that piece. Let's do it now while he's hot. Yeah. Because the one great failing about the NBA is that coverage of the league only hits a few places. Right. It hits Miami. It hits New York. It hits L.A. It hits San Francisco to a certain extent, although not all the time. Um, And it almost never gets to Portland because the Blazers don't cast a ton of a shadow. Yeah. Uh, And... Damian Lillard is, you know, part and parcel of that. And he should cast more of a shadow because he's that good a player. Mm -hmm. And he's also the kind of player that every fan base says they want. Somebody who basically puts down roots and says, this is where I'm making my stand. Yeah. In fact, in in Holmes' piece, he says that, he points out, only 10 players have ever, you know, who have ever played for 10 more years and only played on one team have won a ring. Now, really? that's probably a small sample size because very few players get the opportunity to do that. Yeah. But this piece is basically Damian Lillard restating again and again that Portland's where he's making a stand and mm. that he doesn't believe they're eliminated from having a championship. But that's the part that is dependent on the general manager, coach, ownership, other players. Because... One man teams never get to do this. They're not. They're just not. The sport's not built for one guy to carry you and get you. I mean, Will Chamberlain carried teams for almost a decade, mm-hmm. won one title. Right. And there's a. I mean, there's a lesson in that. It just give me the play. Give me the team with the most useful pieces, and I'll tell you that's the team that has the best chance of winning. Thinking about the big swings that, let's say the. Nets took and obviously it didn't work out and the Suns and we don't know if it's going to work out or not by the way Ray Kevin Durant expected to play in his first game tomorrow speaking of the Suns so that'll be yeah. that'll be a sight to see for Damian Lillard to have this type of uh, love and to, to be so loyal to the Blazers do we even know if They've even had conversations. I get it. You don't want to be. Is it the same being joining a super team or creating a super team? Right. Were they in the conversation for Kevin Durant? Have they been in these conversations to try to not just tinker here and there and get a GP2 or somebody like that to really take a big swing? We get mad at the Giants, but at least we know the Giants. They went out and they tried to get Aaron Judge and it didn't work out. I don't ever hear about the Blazers trying to make a big swing, but it not working out. And I know since it's a small market, they have to go through trades and the draft. But because of Damian Lillard and where he is in his career, more so trades, I'm not hearing on them swinging and missing on anything. Uh, that may just be a function of you know the punditry not considering the Blazers you know worthy of their time. Mm-hmm. It might also be that the Blazers are a conservative operation. Yeah. Uh, and it might be that they would like to take a swing, but they don't have a package. You know, I mean, just it's, you know, 
you can't make a trade with somebody if you don't have enough to put on the table, mm -hmm. as we found time and again with the Warriors. Right. You know, it's hard to make a deal in the NBA, and it's hard to make a huge deal in the NBA. I mean, Phoenix gets Durant only because they have high-profile players from a team that got to the finals two years ago mm -hmm. and had draft choices to throw into the pot. Um you know, they just happen to have the kind of wherewithal that would appeal to Brooklyn specifically in this situation because for Kevin Durant, they wanted veterans and and picks. Right. So that meant there weren't a lot of places that would make sense for Brooklyn. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into this more with Baxter, but I think that would be we had the conversation when we were you know, transitioning in and out. I'm sitting there talking with Guru, and I and that would be the feeling of. There's nothing negative to say about Damian Lillard and his choice, but that would be the feeling of. I mean, is Dame? We we know we we don't like it when you get the Russell Wilson situation, and he thinks that he is uh, uh, the best thing since sliced bread, and I need this and I need that. But on the exact opposite side of that, somebody like a Dame Lillard. I mean, I'd like to think that, Dame, you're at least in these conversations and saying, hey, are we doing this? Are we doing that? Because then it starts to get into the realm of how much do you actually care if you're not? You shouldn't have to do that because they should do their job. But as we've as we've talked about the, while I've been filling in here, these owners are making money either way. It, but it's not about money in this case. It's about finding that difference making piece. Mm -hmm. And you don't buy it, you have to trade for it. Right. And that means you have to have plenty of draft picks and you have to have plenty of players on the active roster that will other teams will find appealing. And even in situations like the Durant one, you know, Brooklyn didn't have to move him. You know, they 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 made it clear that they were gonna have to be bowled over by an offer. Mm -hmm. You know, the Kyrie Irving deal, they did that sort of on the cheap just because they were fed up with him but they could have they could have kept Durant they didn't have to move him but i think once they moved Irving i think they realized you know what we're half a team we're trying to stay in the playoff picture in the in the east you know we have a better chance of reverting to the team we were before we brought in Durant and Irving Let's get a bunch of pieces and a bunch of draft choices because we gave up so many to get uh, Durant yeah. in the first place. So I think the circumstances were dramatically different. Um, Phoenix, you know, happened to have what Brooklyn was looking for, and they were willing to roll the dice because I think they viewed themselves as being kind of dead ended. Yeah, and at some point, the window's not going to be more wide open for a Western Conference team than it will be this year. That's what I'm saying. And so, But they had the wherewithal to make that deal where a lot of teams wouldn't have, including Golden State, including Portland. In terms of just looking at the Blazers and looking at their roster, though, you can't, you can't be Damian Lillard and say, hey, I want to win a championship and go out with the roster that looks like this for the rest of your career. But it's the roster's not his to make up. The roster is the team's roster. But isn't there and, some type of middle ground between what Kobe or, or what LeBron has done and saying, hey, I, I'm, these are the guys I need. You don't need to be LeBron, but just a little bit of, 
I, I, I don't know. In this day and age of reaching out to different players, I, I don't, I'm just, I'm not trying to be devil's advocate here. I, I'm just saying, if you're just sitting up there, up north, chilling, rapping, and there are no reports of Damien, just throw out a text, hey, come join us. And I know he actually did, or was it, was it Damien Lillard's brother or somebody tried to get Kevin Durant? This was back in the summer, but I don't know. I, I do think some people, and maybe it's just me, feel that there hasn't, Damien Lillard loves to, sit here and talk about his loyalty we but we just haven't seen the same passion when it comes to how much he wants to win a championship get in damian lillard could do whatever he wants in portland ray get into it with the gm get into it with the weed and we don't know that he hasn't that's true he just hasn't done it where we can see it yeah i mean that's the that's the problem with sort of casting people in that light is we don't know the half of it. Mm-hmm. He might have gone into Joe Cronin on more than one occasion and said, hey, let's make a run at Durant. Yeah. And Cronin could say, I'm making phone calls, but I don't have what they want. Yeah. You know, and I don't think Lillard is a fool. And I don't think he would say, well, I don't care what you don't have. Make it anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he knows what the deal is right now. Portland is not in a position to trade for Kevin Durant in that circumstance. Um, I mean, maybe, I mean, the fact is the only piece that they've got that could get a big name is Lillard. Well, yeah. Even that. But it would have to be Lillard and a bunch of other stuff. And I don't know that they have a bunch of other stuff. And who would that be for? Giannis? I mean, I don't know. But, by the way, it's time for your five o'clock hour. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.